2: Good morning and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Holland, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 p.m. on Station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church located at 1043 Middle Street is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Kalihi for over 97 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and A.W. B. on august the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late Chief Pastor William M. Holmes, Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Emilia Hahn will direct our church choir's first song entitled, Jesus is All the World to Me. Our choir can truly attest to how real and ever-present the Lord is in their lives. With His daily strength and comfort, it allows them to continue their walk with Him. Accompanying our choir will be Edith Matsuki on the piano and Rose Carter on the organ. The words will be provided for your singing enjoyment. Thank mm-hmm. The road we take to Jesus isn't an easy one, just a rewarding one. Colossians 2, 6 reads, As we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Listen as the church band Under My Direction play this wonderful song entitled, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. <laughs> we by the Lord with a beautiful voice, our soloist Christy Hahn, as she sings for us this wonderful song entitled, One Day. Soon the trumpet of God will sound, and the Lord will say, Come up hither. And those who are blood-washed, water-washed, spirit-filled, and living the life will be caught up to meet Him in the air. Accompanying Christy will be Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Sproul Sr. on the guitar, Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, and yours truly on the piano.
0: there a greater vision of grace and in the moment we shall be changed on that day and one day we'll Yes, one day we will see face to face Jesus, is there a greater vision of grace? And in a moment we shall be changed Yes, in a moment we shall be changed In a moment we shall be changed
2: Once again, our church choir will sing this uplifting and robust song entitled, He Made Everything New. Please join in singing as the words appear on your television screen. In Ephesians the second chapter and the fourth verse, it states, "But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us." It's just like his great love is the next titled song that will be played by our church orchestra this morning. Such a comforting and heartfelt thought to know God's love is in us, over us and around us. For our final song before our upcoming sermon, we have the Jubilees under the direction of Emilia Hahn, singing this song entitled Grumblers. It gives me great pleasure to dedicate this song to Mr. and Mrs. Jose and Penny Jandag of Oahu, Hawaii. Your faithfulness and service to the Lord will not go unrewarded. May Jesus continue to pour out bountiful blessings upon you both in this life and that to come. Have a fantastic Sunday.
1: i mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
4: Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television times, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. that These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KECY Channel 9 in Central California and Yuma, Arizona, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon, from 5 to 6 a.m. on Station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming, and from 7 to 8 a.m on Time Warner Cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view a Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii. Services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m., and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m., except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Kamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Pololo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by Neighbor Island Branch Churches, and services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, in Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. L. Virio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Hawaii, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawaian, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines.
2: We born-again Christians believe that God's promises are yea and amen. Therefore, His promise to return in clouds of glory for His own is not a question of it if He's returning, but rather when is He coming back to translate us to our journey's end of eternal life in God's kingdom. Therefore, I sincerely ask the Lord that the message I have entitled, Labor On, will cause you to seize the moment to accept Jesus as your Savior. In fact, I implore of you, don't let today become one of missed opportunity. On the first Monday of each September, we celebrate Labor Day. However, every day is Labor Day for the true born-again Christian. In essence, he should be living to witness and win souls for Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are laborers together with God. And ye are God's sons of entry. Ye are God's building. We all need to learn the lesson of working together in harmony, not for self, but for God. Some people work for daily sustenance, some to pay for a home or to educate their children. Only a few can truthfully say, I'm working with God and for God. The world has no respect for one who is lazy, but honors a man who works hard, honestly, and diligently. History was made by workers and idlers alike. When we look at God's work, however, we see that it has been carried on by those who were willing to put their shoulders to the gospel wheel. Jesus tells us in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This means to work while one still has his vigor, vitality, and energy. All too soon, one's health and strength fail him. For time passes rapidly, and he suddenly finds himself without his well-being. And plagued by those common ailments which accompany old age and gone forever, is the golden opportunity that was his to have served the Lord at peak capacity. We read in Psalms, chapter ninety, verses 9 to 10 and 12, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their labor sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we imply our hearts unto wisdom. The greatest tragedy of the Depression was that so many men were taught that work was unnecessary. Since the government or someone else would support them, we find at the present time we are headed for another Depression. Seems like we there are worried because of this attitude. But being idle is not God's way. Six days shall thou labor is the commandment of the Lord. God said in Genesis 3:19, "In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust shalt thou return." In 2 Thessalonians 3:10 we find one of Paul's remarks to the Thessalonians, "For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat." I believe it's perfectly all right for us to support those who cannot work because of valid reasons. But still, charity is no substitute for honest work. The city of Corinth collapsed into oblivion because its citizens became so wealthy they ceased to work. Rome waxed great in power and wealth, but became a nation of idlers. She lived on taxes extorted from others. Her power filled with decay. And wickedness perish from the earth. I'm afraid our nation is fast becoming a nation of idlers. Many everywhere are crying for less work and more pay. Many have lost their ambition and incentive to do an honest day's work. It is a very serious condition when people live as parasites upon the sweat and toil of others. This breaks down morale and breeds worthless citizens. However, I want to talk to you about an elite group of workers who have the special distinction of being laborers in the vineyard of God. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. He said, My father worked and hitherto and I work. The father's business requires haste. Reading John 4 34 to 36, Jesus said unto them, My need is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. There is so much to do, and so little time in which to do it. The fields are white unto harvest. TV viewers, do you have a place of service in these fields? Are you working for the Lord or for self? You must learn two things in order to be successful. You must learn to work, and you must learn to work with others. Listen to Psalms 133.1. Behold, how how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity, there is strength and victory, which brings us to the need for cooperation. When King Solomon led the people in erecting God's temple, he employed 70,000 burden bearers. In addition, there were 80,000 hewers of stone laboring in the mountains who never came near the temple, and skillful men numbering into hundreds working with gold, silver, and brass. During the past World War, there were millions of servicemen giving and doing their best for America. Although different branches of service were concerned, all worked together as a great and unified team towards the common goal of winning the war. And this miraculous story of success is due to the fact that the coalition performed in total unity. Let this truly be a lesson to each and every one of us on how unity can serve and fulfill great purposes and goals. Yes, there would never have been a temple in Jerusalem had the people not worked together in unity. On the Day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered in one mind, in one heart, and in one accord. They were rewarded by being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in an unknown tongue or language. The phrase, united we stand, divided we fall, still rings true today. Men have learned to work with God in material ways, The forces of electricity have existed throughout time because put them there. But it was up to man himself to harness his great power. God puts rich soil upon the earth, but he leaves it to man to cultivate this soil. He puts metals, minerals in the bosom of the earth, but he expects man to find, extract, and use them. We have always had the atom, but only in recent years have men worked with God in ways that have enabled them to find the power contained in these atoms. God wants us to be involved in other matters too, such as bringing forth the beauty in human souls and helping to transform lives through His power. Jesus tells us in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen: All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. God holds the world in the hollow of His hands. When a person is born again of water and of the Spirit, he is transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. The necessity of the new birth stems from natural man's inability and impotency to see or enter into the kingdom of God without it. No matter how gifted, moral, or refined he may be, natural man is absolutely blind to the spiritual truth and unable to enter God's kingdom of his own accord, for he can neither obey, understand, nor please God. The highest degree one can receive from the Lord is a BA degree, for until one is born again, he cannot receive that covenant degree. Read in John 3, 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To be born of water means to be baptized by immersion in water and in the name of Jesus Christ. Reading Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To be born of the Spirit is to speak in tongues or in unknown language. The only evidence, according to the Bible, which can be used to confirm that one has been baptized or filled with the holy spirit. Paul tells us that baptism is essential to salvation. Baptism is a type of death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And why is the name of Jesus so important in baptism? It is the only saving name according to Acts 4:12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name of heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Yes, whatever we do in word or deed must be done in the name of Jesus Christ. I beseech those of you in our television audience who have not done so to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, Master, and Lord, and you'll experience the greatest joy in your lives. Our major tasks here on earth are to win souls for Jesus, to help in his behalf, to live faithfully, and to spread the gospel to this lost and dying world by giving of our time and substance. Thus, when the moment comes and we meet Jesus in heaven, surely we will hear him say to each of us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I would like to share a story that I heard one day one was watching three men working at the construction site of a great building. The one watching asked one man what he was doing. He said, I am mixing, Motar. To the same question, the second man responded, I am working for $20 a day. The third man replied as he looked towards heaven, I am building a great church where men might come and worship God in the beauty of holiness. The last man had within him the right concept of true labor. He was not laboring just for today. But for all the days that were to come, even after his own earthly passing. Reading John 6 27 Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him had God the Father sealed. Therefore, put your hand in the nail pierced hand of Christ, and be willing to labor and be spent for him. Judgment is one of the major topics in the Word of God. Paul spoke to a group of intellectuals, reading Acts 17, 30, 31, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. God guaranteed judgment when He raised Jesus from the dead. God does not always wait until the end of life to pay off. We often have to face judgment right here. There is an old saying that a young man must sow his wild oats. If he does, he is going to reap the harvest. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, this text was meant primarily for two born-again Christians. God is saying sins must be paid for both here and in the after, hereafter. Just picture Jesus dying on the cross. Why is he hanging there? Why is he suffering? Why is he dying? He never committed a sin, nor did he ever entertain an evil thought. Jesus is dying there in judgment. He is paying for your sins and mine. He was made sin for us. All our sins and the sins of the world were laid on him. Sin had to be punished and God's wrath fell upon him instead of us. Jesus said on one occasion, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Son was lifted up on the cross, and those who look to him today and obey his commandments will be saved. Thus, as we look at Christ on the cross, we see that he is taking the sinner's place Reading Hebrews 12 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him in the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There were three hours of darkness while he hung on the cross. This is also a picture of judgment. We're told that in the judgment, those who have rejected Christ will be cast into outer darkness. Thus, his darkness fell upon the earth while he hung upon the cross. This is a picture of an awful darkness which will surround sinners in their eternal doom. Christ was also made a curse for us as we read in Galatians 3.13. Christ had redeemed us for the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, "Curses is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Just think of it. He was the greatest person that ever lived. He opened the eyes of the blind. He calls the lame to walk. He cast out devils. He healed the sick, and He raised the dead. His every touch was tender and blessed. Think of one like Him being made in a cursed thing. But He bore it all for you and me. Therefore, we see that Calvary is a picture of judgment, the judgment that fell on Jesus because of our sins. This was Jesus' payday. He didn't deserve it, but He bore it all for us. Now we look at a Christian's payday, that is, one who is saved by it, but commit sins after he has been saved. What does he do about it? Something that he has lost and has to be saved again. No, as we are born only once, so we are born again only once. If a child of God sins, God will punish him right now. That chastisement will be for his or her own good. When you see your neighbor's children doing wrong, you do not punish them. But when your own children do wrong, you do punish them. Well, God sees the devil's children in sin and he doesn't chastise them. He saves that for the punishment of hell. But when he sees his own children doing wrong, he chastises them because he loves them. Reading Hebrews 12, 5 to 7, and he have gotten that the exhortation which speak it unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor think when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom ye received. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But here is a wonderful thing. For if we would judge ourselves, We should not be judged. What does this mean? It means that if we sinned and then sit in judgment upon ourselves, hating ourselves for what we have done, and if we confess our sins and get them out of our lives, we will then escape the rod of God. That's the way it is in family. A boy does something wrong and immediately realizes it. He runs to his father and in tears, confesses his wrong and asks his father to forgive him. The father is not likely to punish him, but if the boy goes his way, continually doing wrong, then when the father catches him, he will surely use the rod. We read Proverbs 2313 to 14, Withhold not the correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. It is the same way with God. Therefore, if you have something wrong in your life, hurry and confess it. Turn away from it lest your punishment be severe. Now let's think of the Christian's payday for his works. Yes, viewers, God is wonderful. He saves you, then he promises to pay off for the work that you do in his name. Read in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then then he shall reward every man according to his works. Here is the biblical order of an upcoming event. Jesus will come in the air to rapture his very own, both living and dead. Those who are water-washed, blood-washed, spirit-filled, and walking in the light. Through the Apostle Paul, we know that we shall not all sleep, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and that living saints shall be changed and caught up to meet the Lord in the air at His return. And this is the next greatest event that is going to take place on this earth. There are going to be many missing persons. Are you going to be one of them? I hope so. He will then set up the judgment scene. That throne will be the site of reward or payment. He will judge all the works that you and I have done for Him and reward us accordingly. If our works were done for God's glory, then He will richly reward us for our works. In the Bible, a crown is a picture or symbol of reward. The Bible mentions several crowns which will be given to certain ones at the judgment seat. There will be the soul winners, It will be a crown of rejoicing. If you have one single soul to Jesus, you'll receive this crown at the judgment seat. The more souls you bring to the Christ, the more stars you will have upon your crown. Then there is the crown of life, which will be given for faithfulness. Revelation 2.10 declares, Be thou faithful to death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Therefore, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life." If you would like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn, Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Our church band will close another sweet hour of fellowship with this song entitled, In the Service of the King. (laughs) ¶¶